These uranium traders aren't loyal, Nick. Holy smokes, volatility in the uranium space. Some of your favorite names are down 25, 35, 40% on the heels of a rumor that Trump will issue a no action decision on section 232. That'll be to be continued here in the next coming days. All the creeps are finally having their day in court. R. Kelly has been indicted on federal charges of child pornography, among other sick things. Jeff Epstein also indicted last week. Secretary of Labor, Mr. Alex Acosta, has stepped down. We'll talk about how the rich can rape and get away with it, even be allowed to leave prison during the daytime as long as they promise to come back at night. All this in America, if you got the right amount of money, folks. This is episode 27 of Bizarro World. I am your host, Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, the intellect, the reason, the logic behind the podcast, Mr. Nick Hodge. How are you, Nick? Well, now we're arguing about how much money he actually had, like it fucking matters. That was probably the stupidest Twitter conversation I've seen all week. He's a billionaire. No, he's just a millionaire. No, he was a hedge fund manager. No, he actually just, you know, pretty much washed money for his wealthy friends, right? President Trump and President Clinton amongst them. Um, yeah, that, that, that was the stupidest, I think, um, back and forth I seen on social media this week. And speaking of social media, we should also talk about the fact that Facebook just got hit with a $5 billion fine for, um, you know, basically pimping your data. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the funny thing is they're going to pay for it um, with your data. So it's kind of a big old circle jerk. But let's talk markets. That's where we always start. Um, uranium, man, these uranium traders aren't loyal. UEC down below a dollar. Um, energy fuels down 35%. You pick a name. Um, if it was, if, if it had leverage to the U S uh, market, it, they, they, they got walloped today. I stepped in, I bought some uh, energy fuels today. I dipped my toes into to some UEC, uh, thoughts, Nick. Well, holy cow, that's a lot. Where do we want to start? Um, let's talk about the rumor. We don't mark it all off. All right. Let's Let's start with the rumors. So we've been waiting for a decision from President Trump on the Section 232 petition, which he had 90 days to respond to after the Department of Commerce did their report. We've since learned that the Department of Commerce recommended some sort of intervention. Uh, Bloomberg reported likely a uh, 5% quota for uh, American reactors to use American uranium uh, starting in year one and then adding 5% every year thereafter. But uh, anyway, we were supposed to get a formal decision from the White House this weekend, uh, July 13th, 14th. And then this morning, um, everybody's tuned in. I'm, of course, tuned in first thing in the morning. I'm waiting for something. And we get sort of this weird article out of Australia saying that uh, Trump is not going to make a decision and immediately the uh, stock started selling off. I saw, I saw the stock selling off, in fact, before I knew why, uh, what the information was. And so almost immediately this morning, you had people going back and forth saying, well, this article is not really real. The, the companies that filed the petition itself, UR Energy and Energy Fuels, hadn't in fact heard from the government. So how could this Australian uh, media outlet have uh, a scoop on, on what was going to happen. And so the long and the short of it is we still don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if we'll get a decision this weekend. We don't know what the decision will be. We don't know if Trump will delay. Um, I think uh, a good place to, to sort of turn your attention to is to the fundamentals of the uranium market, because 
while all us uranium bulls wanted Section 232 to be the, the catalyst or the spark that kicked off the uranium bull market we all know is coming. Um, and I'm going to hedge a little bit here now. The fact of the matter is that even if we get a non-decision, um, you know, no support from the White House for American uranium production, it doesn't uh, alter the, the supply demand fundamentals and in fact exacerbates them here in the United States. So um, really nothing has happened except your favorite uranium names, like you said, are down 25 to 40 percent. So we'll see next week. Yeah, I, I think the trading action is going to be fun to watch next week. I'm, I'm looking forward to um, a slingshot rebound when people realize that at the end of the day, the Section 232 decision um, really was about providing clarity to the utilities so that they could begin to contract, right, to negotiate contracts, the long-term contracts that are going to move the market. And I think what's been lost in the news today is the fact that um, whether or not it's a no-action decision by President Trump and his administration, um, clarity will be given, clarity will be provided, and I think the utilities um, in the latter part of this year will begin to slowly but surely come back to the market, and it's going to be at much higher prices. It really is a simple story. Um, the price of uranium, the spot price right now, does not reflect what it costs to produce, and it doesn't reflect what the contracts are going to look like here in the coming months and, and, and years. So uh, good time to add to your favorite names, pick your favorite newsletter writer, and um, yeah, go go load up, double down, initiate a position. It's a great time for it. Well, another thing that needs to be said is people that were selling today were, were clearly taking a loss because... Uh, I would argue that it was speculators that have come in in, in recent weeks and months to uh, speculate on a, a, a Section 232 decision. But if you look at a chart in UEC, for example, I mean, it went to 91 cents today. It hasn't been uh, at that price. It hasn't been in the 90 cent range since 2017. So so people are selling at a loss. And to me, it's just a head scratcher. It's uh, anti-fundamental. It's uh, illogical and um you know, it, it's going to play out in the in the way that the, the fundamentals say it's going to play out. The timeline is just now shifted as all. Well. So, yeah, UEC at at at, at a two year low is, is is a head scratcher for sure. Yeah, I think the algos went to work. I think the robots went to work. I think a lot of, um, you know, hedges were hit. And I think a lot of, uh, you know, <laughs> a, a lot of protection is going to come back to hurt people. I think, you know, you have energy fuels broke below the two dollar level. Um, it doesn't seem rational or logical unless, again, the algos took over, the bots took over, and stop losses were being hit, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. We'll find out next yeah. week. Yeah, we get a slingshot yes. rebound. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Let's talk gold. Gold's holding in there beautifully. Closed at 1416 a day. Um, <laughs> it's funny. Everybody believes this, uh, this report out, out of Australia about section two, three, two, which, you know, may or may not be accurate. Nobody believes that this gold bull market is sustainable here. We are at 1415. And again, with few exceptions, the juniors really aren't acting like it, which again, makes my contrarian heart smile and also provides me an extra couple of months, hopefully to add and bolster up my favorite positions. Thoughts on the gold space. I mean, holy cow, it's um, lining up uh, beautifully. They're talking about a gold standard in Congress this week for crying out loud. I mean, that's I thought that was 30 or 40 year old stuff. What's the pet rock doing going to be the center of our monetary universe to be discussed in Congress? I mean, it's happening. Jay Powell is out there saying, basically, we're going to we're going to cut again. We're going to cave to political pressure. And um, 
and if you look at the market, it's all playing out, Gerardo, like you and I have been saying it's going to play out almost um, too perfectly. It's almost like a caricature of itself. You have, you know, I was reading like the New York Times deal book briefing, and that's about as mainstream as it gets. And they're just outright saying that, um, you know, stocks are rising because of Tina. Have you ever heard of Tina? Uh, Gerardo, I had never heard of Tina until today, but not I found the, it very interesting. They're saying not the one you're going to tell no. me about. <laughs> I was going to say, just kidding, wife. <laughs> I kid, I kid, I kid, everybody. Tell me about Tina, Nick. So it means there is no other alternative. And I was reading in the New York Times deal book briefing that. Uh, Wall Street traders and, and You're fancy, investors Nick. are just. I just want to mention that to everybody. Just, Nick is fancy, guys. This is how Nick starts his mornings. The New York, what was it? The New York Times. What? What, what is it? The New York Times <laughs> deal book briefing. There you go. Step your game up, people. <laughs> I also read the New York Times regular briefing, in which your brother was featured again this morning, Gerardo, for his reporting on disappearing orange groves in Southern California. Big old picture of the article. Uh, major section of the New York Times uh, briefing this morning. So go, Jose. Hey, thanks for the shout out, Mr. Jose Del Real. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll send him a note later and make sure we keep him humble there. But I interrupted you. I'm sorry. I thought it was important for you to shout out your fancy uh, subscriptions you start your morning with. Appreciate it. Thanks. Try to stay informed. <laughs> so, Tina. Tina, there is no other alternative. You have mainstream Wall Street analysts, traders, investors, what have you saying. There is no other alternative. Bonds are yielding negative. Um, other markets, Europe, et cetera, um, are not doing well. And so there is no alternative, Tina, except for U.S. stocks. And um, it just seems to me that in the middle of the summer, it's like, I don't know. They're, they're just telegraphing it too much. You, I saw you mentioned the other day, you know, Fed, Fed Chairman Jay Powell was talking about how the don't take for granted that the, the dollar will always be the reserve currency. And, yep. and you said something like that's a warning. And, and that's very true and, and correct. I mean, they're just outright telegraphing it. They're telling you the shit's going to hit the fan, people like they're just saying it. I don't know how else to say that. I wrote about it in Junior Mining Monthly a, a few years ago and then a few months ago, and we talked about it on this podcast when we talked about China and rare earths and how, you know, the bigger story really is the long game and, and, and you know, how I believed that the U.S. indices would continue to have a bull run. That's been proven out record highs this week, how the dollar would hold up well. It's held up well. Get prepared for a dollar run that coincides with a, a gold run. I've said, you know, many times over and over, I sound like a broken record that gold and the dollar have to rise together in order for the bull market in gold to be sustained. I think you can expect that in the second half of this year. You can expect it to continue. And yeah, you know, Sugar Daddy Jerome's telling you, I'm going to cut rates. I'm going to give you at least two cuts this year. But this is only going to get us so far. He made it very, very clear in his testimony to Congress that the the, the biggest fear, and, and we all know this, right? But the biggest fear of all central bankers is not inflation, it's deflation. He brought up Japan. He brought up Europe. Um, so this isn't some crazy conspiracy theory in my head that I came up with two or three or four years ago. This is what is going on. You are hearing it. From the chairman of the Federal Reserve of the United States of America, people, it's time to pay attention and it's time to go along your favorite gold names because there is going to be a lot of money to be made. Um, there's also going to be a lot of pain. There's going to be a human toll, but 
you know, we need a great reset and it's not going to happen, you know, in months or years. It's going to, it's going to be a gradual process that takes decades, but this is it. This is the start of it. I think financial institutions are going to look a whole hell of a lot different here in the next 10 years. I mean, gold is telling you as well. It didn't, it didn't do the tiptoe thing this time. We're not retracing to 1362. It's like we are at 1400 folks. We're there. We've been there every day. We're bouncing to 1420. Like this is the real deal. 1400 gold, 1414. As I look at it right now is a bull market. Absolutely. Absolutely. Get positioned. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk my own book here a little bit. Junior mining monthly. I strongly encourage you to spend a couple of hundred bucks and listen to me rant and rave in that. Um, some good stock ideas there. If you are an accredited investor, Nick's Notebook, a service that was founded and is run by Mr. Nick Hodge, yours truly is to me the single best um, private placement service in the business. I think it's not a coincidence that you know, the attempts to duplicate it um, have, 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 been, have been tough, frankly. It's hard to duplicate because of the network that Nick's built up. If you're an accredited investor and you want access to private and public companies, um, I, I, I think the deal flow from Nick's notebook is as good as anything out in the business right now. So that's that. That's you, the plug. You, you make me blush. Oh, oh, can I call you Tina? I was just going to say, <laughs> si, senor. I love it. You know, the other thing that was really interesting about um, Chairman Powell's testimony was his response to the questions about Facebook's Libra coin, right? Um, he basically made it clear that the politicians are the ones that should be in charge of the regulation and nobody has done a damn thing. Obviously, the Treasury has a, a, a function. The chairman has a function. But, you know, it's, it's, it's appalling to me just how unprepared we are as a country for an alternative currency or an alternative way of transacting, right? Um, we're just completely inept. You know, and, and we talk about Section 232 and how far behind the U.S. when it comes to energy policy in this country. Um, we talk about crumbling infrastructure. We talk about the wealth inequality, the wealth inequality in this country. Um, and then, you know, you, you, you get into something like Facebook and Libra. Um, and we, we, we really are behind the curve on a lot of things, man. It's, it's, it's fourth turning stuff. This is what happens right before empires turn, crumble, burn, and then eventually are reborn. But man, it's time to pay attention, people. Well, the U.S. has enjoyed the privilege of printing the global reserve currency for years and years and years. And there are clearly benefits that come with that um, economically and, and geopolitically. And so... Um, when you have something that's threatening that, whether it's uh, the record public and government debt or China and Russia getting together to, to buy and sell oil in, in non-oil denominated contracts or the rise of um, untraceable and anonymous cryptocurrencies that, that threaten the, the entrenched currency, then, then the people that are in charge of that currency don't like it. And so while Jay Powell and Trump have been uh, butting heads in the past couple of weeks. In fact, Trump was calling for him to resign, if you'll recall, in this crazy, crazy news cycle. <laughs> um, but the thing that they both agree on is that uh, crypto is a, is a no-no. Even Trump was tweeting this week that um, 
the value of cryptos are based on thin air and and they needed to be reined in, et cetera. And so um, it's a very defensive position because they have a lot to lose, right? And um, one of the things that I've been reading about and, and watching some, some videos about in the past couple of weeks is that really the people that stand to benefit the most and that could put cryptos to best use are in fact the central banks. If they truly want a currency to uh be instant and fully traceable and accountable and transparent and settle settle international trade uh and be fungible then truly uh a bitcoin or uh, a cryptocurrency issued uh by the central banks themselves would uh be beneficial and so i just don't think they've figured it out yet they don't know what their play is um and maybe if i just look in my crystal ball you know five or ten years down the the road you could see central banks coming together to to issue their their own sort of cryptocurrency to to bypass the dollar and, and come to something that benefits no nation which um would truly be a, a culmination of a fourth turning or something to that effect right they haven't figured out how to get their pound of flesh, right? That's really the bottom line. I, I, well, I, there's no pound of flesh with cryptos. That's the whole fucking point. Exactly. I mean, I mean, they should do something correct, right? Power never concedes power willingly. It must be taken. It's the way it works historically. Um, doesn't mean it's right, but it is what it is. And, you know, speaking of Facebook and, and power and, and, you know, the fuckery that goes on behind the scenes, the FTC just approved a $5 billion Facebook settlement, $5 billion with a B um, over what, <laughs> what, what, what the article that I read labeled as the tech giant's privacy missteps, which I thought was a generous um, description of what Facebook did. Again, the funny thing to me, funny, not funny, is that the fine will be paid um, on the backs of the users, which, you know, are the product, right? Well, that's how Facebook makes this money. I told you the FTC was going to issue them a record fine on this podcast many, many, many moons ago. And so here it is in real life. Um, I just just like the banks, right? Um, you know, make a billion dollars, pay a pay a fine in the million dollars, or in Facebook's case, make many, 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 many billions of dollars and pay a five billion dollar speeding ticket. Like you said, you're gonna generate the revenue from uh, selling people's data or access to people's data anyway. So um, this is a time thing, for in my opinion. Um, I, I thought Facebook was doomed long, long ago, but um, people continue to want to use it and its products, and it has made some smart acquisitions. So it's been able to maintain, but I think, and I've said it before, there's going to be a backlash to social media in many ways, not just from uh, users disenfranchised with how their privacy is handled and how it sucks time out of their lives and... Uh, I would argue fosters jealousy and 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 false competition among your friends and your and your uh, neighbors, but also from governments, just like you see here. Not just the FTC, but um, I think you're going to see anti-collusion um, and anti-monopoly talks in the next couple of years. I was reading just this morning, although I don't have a firm grasp on the details yet because it's new that um, the UK and France want to tax. Companies like Google and Facebook based on the profits they derive from users in their countries. And so this is just getting started. It's something certainly to keep an eye on. And um, 
you know, as people like Mr. Dines have been writing about, it's it's time for a rotation out of those FANG stocks. I mean, uh, we just said that this is going to hit the fan, the long market, the bull market is long in the tooth. Um, the Fed's got to cut rates. And at the same time, there's these FANG stocks, the Facebook, Facebook, Apple's, Netflix, except Google, et cetera, have been expanding for a decade. And there's there's just going to be a return to the to the average. There always is. And in this case, there is some um, underhanded things that should be rectified that are going against them. So I don't know. I'm just giving you word diarrhea at this point. But those are my thoughts on Facebook. I think it's a it's a slow, long road down. Here's some context. Do you know what the previous record penalty for violating an FTC order was? And do you know who Lay it off. was? It, nope. was, it was Google in 2012, right? For $22.5 million. That was the previous record prior to this $5 billion settlement. The crazy world we live in, the bizarro world that we live in, Facebook shares are up 1% aftermarket on the news, despite the fact that it was $2 billion more than the company had reserved for the settlement. Interesting times, folks. Interesting times. Ah, which brings me to Mr. Epstein. Are we going to get into it with this guy? Um, I think his name has been mentioned here before. It's it's come up. It's time. Yeah, it's 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 long overdue. They finally arrested this sick fuck on federal charges. I am going to be very, very clear about this. I don't give two fucks about your political affiliation. If you were witness or enabled or just turned a blind eye to the nasty things this gentleman was doing for decades, you deserve to be in jail right alongside with him. I know many, many people in this country who have gone to prison for five, 10 years for knowing that somebody is selling drugs or allowing somebody, exactly, allowing somebody to use their cell phone and they do a drug deal or they call something in falsely and next thing you know they're getting slapped with conspiracy charges the fact that this man was able to be out for decades on end um, is absolutely just nasty and disgusting and the fact that Trump's labor secretary Alex Acosta um, who finally just resigned today after not even being able to issue an apology to the victims of the case is equally nasty. Um, I hope he is investigated um, for the deal that he cut. And let's be clear about the deal that he cut. He is the gentleman that behind the scenes orchestrated the deal. Um, he had been, Epstein was under investigation by federal and local law enforcement sex crimes against underage girls from 2002 to 2005 in both New York and Florida. He struck a secret deal with Epstein's lawyers that would allow him to avoid federal prosecution on similar charges. He basically covered his ass is what he did. Not only was Epstein in jail for just 13 months, he was actually allowed to leave the jail for 12 hours a day, six days a week under the guise that Incredible. he was on work release. I mean, I mean, just this is a sex offender who was raping and molesting young girls and was allowed to leave the prison every day, except for one, six days a week. Not only it makes was that you wonder nasty. How Mr. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. 
Go. No, it makes you wonder how Mr. Mr. Acosta got to be Labor Secretary in the first place, right? I mean, um, it, it does make you wonder. And the other thing that's nasty about Mr. Acosta is the fact that they hid the deal from the 30 underage victims and the victims' attorneys. Just nasty. That's it. I, I, you know, I hope, I hope he gets everything that he's earned. Um, I hope all that great energy is put out into the world comes back. And I hope everybody that was involved, I don't care if it's a Clinton or a Trump or a you pick and a And both were, and make no mistakes, both were, I'm not saying involved in the crimes, but were both heavily involved in Mr. Epstein's life, were his pal, palled around with him, flew on his jets and shared circles of friends 100%. Absolutely. Neighbors, um... Yeah. Uh, again, it's uh, it's absolutely impossible for me to believe that there isn't a ring, a ring of very, very connected, wealthy people that just do this on a daily basis. And my only hope is that there is so much pressure to put this nasty fuck under the jail that he actually starts telling on the people that enabled this and facilitated it because there's no way it's a one man show. That's just not it. Yep. It's time. It's time. And it's also time for Mr. R Kelly to go get what he deserves. He just got hit with federal charges. Look at the feds doing some good work on behalf of, of America. They just indicted him for, I believe it's 13 federal counts of child pornography and sexual abuse of a minor. Again, just like Mr. Epstein, I hope he gets everything that he has coming to him because this one is long overdue as well. And I wish the same for the people around him that facilitated this stuff. I hope they all get what's coming to him. It's nasty. I'm watching. I'm watching and I'm waiting. Did you hear about the? <laughs> did you hear about the? I'm going to switch gears and we're going to lighten it up a little bit. And the petition floating around Facebook. I'm not on Facebook. I haven't been much like you. Uh, on it for I think over eight or nine years now. But did you hear about the petition that's floating around Facebook where there's over 400,000 people that have signed a petition to invade Area 51 to find the aliens? <laughs> I, the, no, I haven't. I saw Area 51 was in, in the news in some way today, but I did not know why. Please, please tell me. So the event is give, has been given the name Storm Area 51. They can't stop all of us. <laughs> And, it, 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 and what, these people just want to know what's in there? They, 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 they're encouraging people from all around the world to gather in Nevada and storm the desert, storm Area 51, um, to go find out once and for all what is behind the walls, right? We've driven past that site um, on site visits to visit gold projects. Sure. And you know how heavily, heavily barricaded and fortified that place is. Um Man, you know if this ha if this comes to be, I'll I'll tune in, I'll tune in, I'll watch. I think um, I don't think it's gonna end well. I hope I hope it really doesn't happen because I think you know all jokes aside, people are gonna get hurt. Um, the government's not just going to allow you to get in there, but I think it's hilarious. I I I think the thought of it is absolutely hilarious, and let's hope it doesn't lead to you know something ugly and violent, right? At the very least, I hope it drums up some business for the alien cat house on Highway 95 in Nevada, which you must take to get there. Um, have stopped to use the rest facilities on my way to Lithium Projects, and it's like a quality establishment. <laughs> Didn't partake in the brothel part, but hey, alien cat house it up.
You know, it's funny. The last time I was out there, um, the gentleman who was the owner of the 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 very famous brothel, and I, I forget the name of it. The is it was was it the 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 cat house bunny? What was it? I forget the name of it, but he had just passed away three or four weeks before I was out there and he was running for local office. And despite the fact that he was dead, he beat his challenger, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. His name was David Hoff. He owned the Love Ranch. The Love Ranch. That's what it is. Dennis Hoff. Correct. And the name Cat House came from the HBO series. It's all coming back to me. An HBO adult reality series, which was called Cat House, which featured um, the Love Ranch brothel. So I, I thought that was really hilarious. This was some sometime last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, funny stuff, man. Funny stuff. So, yeah. Interesting. 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 Educators, Nick. I, I, I know. I'll post I know. Uh, <laughs> you'll post the link. <laughs> yeah, Alien Cat House. Because the first time I saw it, I had to take a picture. It's just too good. I mean, capitalizing on people coming to see Area 51 with prostitution in Nevada. It's everything that's great about America. It is everything that is great about America. Consensual, fun, all the way around. If you partake, you partake. If you don't, guess what? You don't have to. No harm, no foul, as long as it's consensual, right? I love it. I know you wanted to talk about the African skull in Europe. You know, I love old skull human history stuff, Gerardo. I try to give you a little tidbit whenever I can on this podcast and uh, relate it a little bit to how much we don't actually know. So news this week was we had found this skull fragment in Greece. And we have had this fragment for a while since the 1970s, but we've now dated it. And we learned that it made its way from, it's a homo sapiens skull, made its way from Africa to Greece some 210,000 years ago. And why this is important is because it shifts the timeline that scientists thought we left Africa by some 160,000 years. So they were off just (laughs) Just just by a little, (laughs) just a tiny bit they were off. So... You know, when you read things about human history and when we colonized and how, when we went where and and all the way through, you know, ice ages and what we know about ancient history, it's not a whole lot because things that we took for granted or took as common knowledge, like um, we went, we only went out of Africa 60,000 years ago are just being completely turned on their heads by uh, new dating methodologies uh, and things like that. So just an incredible piece of information, I thought, to to learn that our species came out of its uh, cradle some huh, a quarter of a million years ago. I mean, incredible <laughs> stuff, right? That is absolutely fascinating and why Mr. Hodge is the intellect and logic behind the podcast. That, that's really fascinating. All jokes aside, that's uh, that's pretty incredible. I'm going to have to check that link out if we can if we can put one up there. We'll do it. Fantastic. You know, what's also incredible. Um, the life of Ross Perot, man. I, you know, the original third party candidate, this guy was so far ahead of his time. Of course he passed away, um, at the ripe age of 89 years old, man. He, he, he had a, had a, had a heck of a life. This guy was born in Texarkana, Texas. Um, he delivered newspapers from the back of a pony. 
<laughs> Think about that. He then went on to earn billions of dollars, of course, after attending the U.S. Naval Academy. He became a salesman for IBM and then decided, you know what? What's better than selling for IBM? Creating and building Electronic Data Systems Corp., which helped other companies manage their computer networks. Again, this is a guy that had just incredible vision. This was also a guy um, that I admired because he put his money where his beliefs were. Um, in 1979, he financed a private commando raid to free two of his employees who were being held in a prison in Iran. Think about that. That's incredible. I had never heard that before. That is absolutely fascinating. I mean, the, the, the two of his employees um, were, were kidnapped and they were being held and he didn't, you know, he, he obviously reached out to the government for help didn't feel like they were moving the way that the situation merited that they move. And uh, he said, you know what? Fuck you guys. I got money. And he, he hired his own commando raid and he freed them. It's incredible stuff, it man. Su so it was successful. Absolutely. Go, go, Perot. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think he would have made an incredible, would have made an incredible president. I think obviously he was an absolutely incredible businessman. And uh, yeah, they don't make him like that anymore. I don't know much about Ross Perot. I was trying to think back. I believe I was in eighth grade when that election went down and what stuck in my mind you're gonna laugh the big the big political the big political issue for us eighth graders back then was i think one of the candidates i forget who it was actually i don't know if it was dole or it was someone else running anyway it doesn't matter they wanted to uh make kids go to school year round and yep. so we were just we were just against whatever candidate was was for that i don't remember at the time but uh, in the past couple of days, I've read some Ross Perot quotes. I've read some quotes from his father, who was also seemingly um, an interesting gentleman and, and had some wise things to say about work ethic and how to treat other people and, um, you know, a bunch of spins on the, the golden rule that, that I often like to read just about doing things the right way. And um, one of the most interesting things I, I read was uh, the night before his company was to IPO, the conversation he had with his family about how yes. it was going <laughs> to transform their lives and make them rich and how people were then going to talk about them. And and so certainly just a man with his finger on the pulse who understood uh, how, how humans react to things and do things. And um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that he's part of the greatest generation and, and losing him is is and his generation is a part of the, the fourth turning when the four generations later are supposed to rise to power. And so um, right on message there. Yeah, no, no, no. I think that's well said. You know, the other thing that I think it's worth noting about Mr. Perot is, you know, how much he loved veterans and how much he fought for veterans, not by wearing a pin, you know, or by, or by hanging a flag from the back of the truck, all which is fine and dandy, right? As long as you back it up with some actions. But he was one of the first people that really pushed the Veterans Affairs Department to study the neurological causes of Gulf War Syndrome. And that's something that, you know, I have firefighters and military vets, man, I have the utmost respect for them. Um, and their families, they're selfless. Um, they, 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 I can't say enough about my respect for, for veterans, but you know, he, this was somebody that, that leaned on the government, used his influence, used his wealth um, to make sure that we didn't just forget about the veterans that were coming back and said they were sick. Um, he made it a point to make sure 
that the VA actually went out there and, 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 and figured out what the heck was going on. So um, heck of a life, heck of a man. And uh, man, we should all be so lucky to have 89 of those kind of years, huh? Hey, do you know where Ross Perot delivered papers on his horse? Was it on the Old Town Road? <laughs> that may be the best segue ever on this podcast, Nick. Preach. I try sometimes. That I was try. well done. Preach, Nick. Preach. Nothing. Before I went to bed last night, we had a late bedtime because my late bedtime for us is like 1030. So we had a late <laughs> bedtime because my my wife's family arrived in town and we were up having a couple beers and shooting the breeze with them for a little bit. And so before I was going to bed, I saw that Lil Nas X, uh, often featured on this podcast, was trending on Twitter. And so um, uh, he's been trending for Old Town Road. He's been trending, as we discussed last week, because he, or the week before, because he came out of the closet. And so I was like, well, man, what is Little Nas X trending for this time? And so I clicked <laughs> on it, and and there is yet another Old Town Road remix out. This one featuring Young Thug, and are you ready for this? Do you remember the little yodeling white boy, Mason Ramsey? I do remember the little the yodeling. Is he? I, I haven't heard oh it yet. Oh my god. <laughs> That's he great. said, got up on my razor, got a thousand acres. He goes, <laughs> it, man, it's good. Ah, I love it. That's fantastic, man. Really good stuff all the way around. Uh, that doesn't and make the whole, the whole video... The whole video is emojis of Young Thug and Lil Nas X and Billy Ray Cyrus and Mason Ramsey in like emoji cartoon form. I love that we are at a point in time where there is a song that is the biggest song in the world by a kid named Lil Nas X with a guy named Young Thug, Lil Mason and Billy Ray Cyrus. Man, that's beautiful stuff. That makes my heart smile. The original is up to 300 million views on YouTube. That is absolutely insane. And for those of you that haven't checked the video out, it, it's one of the better videos I've seen in a long time. Um, I grew up, you know, at a time where videos, you you came home and you turned the videos on and, you know, the 90s, they, they had humongous budgets. And then, you know, videos kind of went away for a while. MTV kind of stopped playing videos and got known for reality shows. And that was that. But that that video made me smile. I mean, it was just uh, just really well done, really interesting, colorful, lively um, and yeah, I love to see the older generation and the newer generation and multiple genres all working together to make some money and make some music people can sing and dance to, right? Can't nobody tell me nothing. I love it. And you know what I love more than that line? The line that precedes it. Let me tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> Can't nobody tell me nothing. How can you not sing to that? I've been having fun with it. My wife is going to grow tired of this very fast. <laughs> Do you put it on on your mule as you're rolling around your 42 acres? Nope, I just give it to her acapella. I love it. I love it. I love it. Nick, that's all I got this week. We're not going to do a stock of the week. I'm going to tell and encourage all of you to go and look at Azarga Uranium. Go look at UEC. Go look at Energy Fuels. Um, you know, I, I think short term, there's probably a trade to be had there. I think mid to long term. Uh, these prices may be the lowest that you see them in the next three to five years. So we'll see how that works out for me. I dipped my toes earlier today and added some names. Let's see how it works out next week. That's my, uh, that's my way of not doing a stock of the week this week. I'll be around to watch next week. This uranium rebound, hopefully giddy up. I love it. I love it. That's it folks. Episode 27 of 
bizarro world. Go be nice to each other. Love each other. Go have a good time. Make someone smile. Smile a little bit. Take care. See ya.